This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Bioptimizers and their P3OM, a patented high-end probiotic designed to push out the bad guys. Go to bioptimizers.com slash nomeat and use code nomeat for 10% off. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Meat Athlete Radio. Hey, Izzy. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Doug. How's it going? Good. This, I think this makes you a regular now that it's only been like three weeks since your last episode. I know. Crazy. Go from not regular to regular overnight. Yeah. Just Nomad Athlete Radio Famous. That's right. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> How does it feel? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> How's your uh, New well, Year? Happy New Year to you. Did you yeah. have a good one? Yeah, it was good. It was weird. My parents, um, I'm... I'm in Colorado right now for the holidays, so I'm, my parents mm-hmm. asked my brothers, um, and they are in Hawaii. They left and just went and got a six-month rental there. Oh, nice. So they just left because they didn't want to be here for the pandemic, so I just kind of came home to see my my brothers, and it's it was weird because it was like our first Christmas in a really long time, and slash it's my birthday on Christmas, so it was weird just to be there with my two 24 and five year old brothers and me is odd but it's it was good i made a cake and we hung out it was fine that's awesome that's yeah. fun and you're there for a while right you're gonna yeah yeah i always when i come i try to hang out because it's amazing here so mm-hmm. i came uh, right after thanksgiving and then i i'll probably leave in maybe a couple of weeks i don't know i'm actually trying to see if i can sneak off to hawaii for two weeks before i head back to boston we'll see there you it's go. in the works there's like a lot of quarantine covid rules and yeah. complications so i'm just gonna play it by ear but what'd you guys do we stuck around it was kind of a weird like um no visitors you, you know at least for christmas nothing right. like no family members it was just us and um so it's kind of nice actually to like set our own traditions and have especially since we have a new a new baby so have like a little insular holiday with just the four of us it right. was nice and then uh, new year's was really anticlimactic right. very boring <laughs> i know but um, so weird but you know it was good it was nice to have some a little break and lots of family time and we got yeah. we had a white christmas which was unusual for us right so totally that that's good. awesome though yeah it was not a white christmas here but oh, really no yeah it's been it's weird here it's like I'm not sure if you spent a lot of time here, any time here. You, I think you've been a few times. Yeah, right? I've been a handful of times, but uh, yeah, not a um, It'll snow and then be like cold for two days and then really sunny for two mm-hmm. weeks. The snow will all melt and then there'll be another storm. That's like the cycle. So right now it's really, really sunny out. And it was 50, 60 degrees last week. I was riding my bike outside. And then t- today was 19 degrees and it's going to snow on Wednesday. So then it'll be like another cycle. So, <laughs> sunny. Yeah, that's fun. Well, today we have another great episode, more training yeah. talk. Training talk. So we're going to talk about periodization training or, yes. uh, you know, you, so, uh, you know, I'm excited to talk to you about this because you've done it a lot more formally than I tend to do it. But, um, uh, you know, basically what we're talking about splitting your training up into different training blocks where each block has a different purpose. Each block kind of builds on the other until until race day as you'll build up until the taper and, and, and the race day. So, um, we're going to be talking about each of those different periods, each of those different blocks, their purpose, um, how, you know, what training will look like, what you need to be doing a little bit differently during those times and how it all kind of blends together. Yeah. 
Sounds Sound right. right. Yeah. I guess, uh, like, what, um, you know, before we get into that, uh, what was the first training period that you did that was, uh, or first race, I guess, or a big, big training yeah. block that you did that, that was split into different um, Honestly, like it's hard to say because I didn't know. I didn't, like, really start paying attention to what was going on until I became really interested in it for myself. Like, mm-hmm. mid-college when I first started training for triathlon was probably when I first really under well that's when I probably first did periodization training um before I started actually realizing what it was and how to kind of do it myself and put together a training program and look at what the benefits were and you know sync my nutrition with it all like that wasn't until I got more competitive and into it probably two years ago when I started trying to get competitive at the 70.3 half Mm -hmm. iron distance so i think before then it was more i was doing it but i didn't pay much attention to it yeah yeah did um you know i think that a lot of people will go from zero to 60 when it comes to training so they'll you know not really be training for anything they might be not you know say if your if your goal is a marathon or a a sprint triathlon or something like that you might not be Mm-hmm. training at all you might just be like going to the gym a couple times a week and then right. you jump right in and you're you're suddenly running five times a week and doing long runs and doing all this stuff and and kind of jumping right in um with periodization training you know what what would the or or not just with training in general what would be your advice on how how to go from like the non-training part yeah. into a training plan that's a good question. And I think that it's kind of a two-faceted answer. The first part of it is like I am kind of anti like train only for a race. I used mm-hmm. to be really like that. And I think some people it's really motivating for it. But because of time and time again of not being able to complete that race because of various reasons, whether it's, you know, timing or injury or something that comes up. And it's just it's a really disappointing and guilty feeling And so I've kind of shifted my perspective to actually using this method of training that we'll talk about to just keep really excellent fitness. And there's a way that you can use the training to just get yourself in shape and then maintain that shape rather than like this peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys where if you're really competing and you're racing really frequently, that's likely more what your fitness graph is going to look like. Um, Maybe not so much of the valleys as you go. It's kind of more of like a this kind of graph, like it'll go up this way. <laughs> sure. But yeah, with a little some ebbs and flows a little bit. Sure. Yeah, but you're, you're kind of building it up for years. Um, and the other thing is the advice is be patient. I mean, this is like with anything. This is with nutrition. It's it's about consistency. It's about long the long term. You're not going to get in shape overnight. And your runs, like your runs and your bike rides and your weightlifting, like it's not going to feel good for a long time if you're starting from nothing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm dealing with this right now. I've mentioned like I'm recovering from an injury in my foot and I'm still just, I mean, it's been four to six months of just still not even running for 10 minutes at a time. And it's brutal, but I know that it's setting me up really, really well for the long term and for like the races that I'm hoping to do in the summer and the fall. So this is the same exact thing with this type of training. It's like the beginning is sometimes really grueling and boring and you don't feel like you're getting good workouts in, but it is doing something metabolically, biologically to your muscles. You're really setting yourself up well for the later. Yeah. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more. I think that, you know, having that, 
that base period, you know, the first phase, you know, phase one is, is base building. But even like before that, if you're not training at all, just having a kind of a pre-training period yeah. um, where you're just, the only focus is consistency, right? You know, the yeah. only focus is just kind of getting back to it, getting yeah. in some sort of routine, a training routine, um, using those muscles maybe that you haven't used for several months or since your last race or something like that. Um, and doing it really small, really slow, you know, it's not about going fast. It's not about big miles or anything like right. that. But, right. um, you know, if you can build that consistency, then you can jump into a plan and you can do it a lot more thoroughly and mm-hmm. aggressively, um, and, and not worry as much about like injury or something like that. Yeah. And I mean, this type of training, it's, it's a planning tool. Like it, this is yeah. a tool for people and coaches to use essentially a blueprint that's going to allow you to assign training periods that will increase the amount that you're able to do. It'll increase your fitness over time rather than what I think that a lot of us do if we're not training, which is the reason why races, signing up for races is so motivating and keeps people accountable is, you know, get into your routine, whether that's like your four mile run every day or your, your 45 minute hit workout or like whatever it is all great. But your body gets used to those things. You know, you're not really pushing yourself. You're not going to increase your fitness just because you're working out every day. If that's something that works for you and those are your goals, then awesome. Not saying there's anything wrong with that. But if your goal over time is to just get more fit and more fit, and I'm not talking about what your body looks like or weight loss. Like I'm talking about pure fitness, like what you are able to put out on like how a hike is going to feel or how a long run Mm -hmm. is going to feel Mm -hmm. like this is a tool that you can use. And there are a hundred billion ways to do it. Like there's no one way to do a periodization training. Like I have done it a certain way for training for triathlon and every single coach that I've worked with, which I've worked with a lot of coaches have, taught me to do it in a different way. Like they've presented very different training programs for me. And now I kind of know what works for me. So I can kind of do it by myself if I want, um, or communicate with my coach, like what exactly, like what type of blocks I really want to focus on. Um, but it's different for every person and you can do it in anything. Like this doesn't have to be for endurance athletics. You could do it for triathlon. You could do it for running. You could do it for strength training. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, there are a lot of really great resources out there um, if you want to put together something by yourself. But this is more of a conversation just about like, what is it at the very basic level? And like, yeah. yeah. So what is it at the very basic level? <laughs> so, <laughs> so the idea is what I just said, building fitness over time um, mm-hmm. to prepare you for something that's going to be more challenging than what you've ever done before or maybe what you've ever done in the last half year or something like that. Yeah. Um, And the idea is that every time you kind of pick that like end goal, whether it's a race or sorry, just hit my microphone, (laughs) whether it's a race or not, um, you are building fitness, not only just in that periodization block, but it's actually meant to be repeated over several years. Um, So something that people don't realize, and it's important to note before we kind of get into the details of each periodization year is like your training is going to get better over years. Like the amount of base miles and like my metabolic capacity, my VO2 max, what I was able to output on the bike has been increasing very, very subtly behind the scenes over the course of the last six years, Mm -hmm. you know, and base goes over the course of many, many years. And oftentimes you see athletes who get burned out 
after their first year of training because they'll they'll be like, I'm going to become a triathlete and I'm going to train for a half Ironman or I'm going to train for an Ironman or more commonly, I'm going to train for a marathon, which is great. But like they often do that marathon and time and time again, I see people not then just stop running for a year, you know, whereas that's not going to increase what you can do over the period of time. Where if I look at what my training schedule looked like five years ago, it's very, very different from what it looks like now because I'm just more fit. Even if I've taken, you know, two to three months off from an injury, I just Mm -hmm. have like my ability to do things more and ramp up more quickly is increased and it gets better every year, which Mm -hmm. is why, you know, if you've been running from a really young age, you're probably going to be less prone to injuries and you're going to have an easier time getting in better running shape as an adult. Um, or same goes with anything. If you've swum, if you were a swimmer for a really young age and took five years off, but you swam for 15 years, like you're probably going to get back into that technique really easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. I think that's, I think that's super important. Um, you know, in general, like when it comes to injury, you know, like you said, I mean, injuries happen with everybody, of course, but, um, you know, those, those rapid injuries that come in the middle of training tend to happen for people who are just training for their first big event and have never gone through a training block before, don't have years of base and don't have years Mm -hmm. of, of technique and, and, you know, different, yeah, you know, just experience and time on their feet or time in the pool or whatever, uh, on the bike, um, if they're doing that for the very first time, they're much more injury prone than people who have been doing it for a long time. And also, you know, I, I think that what's cool is that, you know, during those for that first year, you know, everything you do, every workout, it plays a major role in kind of helping you in, you know, get fitter and get faster and do all yeah. those things. Um, over time though, after years, you know, you, you have built up such a base that like, those workouts are still very important for that, you know, that performance goal that you have, Yeah. but you, um, you know, you're just, you're coming in at a totally different fitness level from the very beginning. And so, um, you know, going out for a 15 mile long run while that might've been just this incredible feat a couple of years ago, you know, even if you haven't built up the same way that you did a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, and now it might be a little bit easier or or Mm -hmm. a lot easier to just kind of knock out, um, randomly. Right. And that's why like year after year, if you're repeating these types of training programs, they're different every time. So Mm -hmm. when I go through and talk about them, like this is, it's really a range. And like you said, like if you're starting from the couch, like I did essentially, because I was in a boot for my stress fracture from, it was misdiagnosed in November. And then I got it. I didn't get in a boot until February. And then I was in a boot until April. So I really, I took like six months off and I haven't, my last long run was 15 miles when I got my stress fracture a a year from November ago. Like I have, I'm essentially like starting fresh. Um, so my base phase didn't start until this week. You know, I've been Mm -hmm. doing base work for like the last two months, not because I needed to do that necessarily. Like if I was really committed to it, I probably could have done a little shorter, but I really just wanted to lay a really, really good base of just consistent exercise like whether Mm -hmm. that was walking whether it was hiking whether it was just getting on my bike and like spinning really easy consistent stuff and that is not typically something that I'll do in a training year like last year I started training in November and I didn't 
you know, it wasn't, it was maybe a couple of weeks of consistency before I started my training program. So mm -hmm. that's something to keep in mind. Like it's different for each person and every year it's going to get different depending on the circumstances. If you're, if you have like a year where you're doing two periodization blocks, let's say typically you only do one, but some people maybe will do two depending on what they're able to do. Maybe the next year, if they take three months off, like they're going to have a longer base phase than if they were to take two weeks off and like head into the next race. And mm -hmm. then the other thing is if you have maybe three races on the calendar, then you're probably going to do three miniature periodization trainings in there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just one big, like, oh, this is my big event, like my biggest feat. And usually your biggest phase is for your A race. So if you're like, if you have certain goals for a race and it's your most important one that you really want to get done, then that would be your longest first periodization training or last periodization training. Yeah. And the ones in between would kind of be just ones that you won't be at the tip top shape for, but you maybe do miniature versions of it. Mm -hmm. Cool. So let's, let's jump into the phases. Uh, why don't I actually run through like kind of what they are and then we'll talk about them individually. So like phase one would be your base phase. Uh, she talked about it a little bit already, but we should dive mm -hmm. into a little bit more. Phase two, strength and build. Phase three, power and performance. And then phase four would be race week, kind of peak week. Yeah. Um, all right. So phase one, base phase. Yeah. So Talk to me about that. This is the whole purpose of this is literally just high, high volume and low intensity. So to set this up, that's why you kind of have to put in work before the base phase starts because maybe mm -hmm. you can't do high volume yet. You know, you're just right. starting. You need to get used to that. Um, so, you know, you can start with 30 minutes on the bike or a 30-minute run and then go to 40 minutes and then 50 minutes and just slowly increase until you can really put in a couple hours at a time um, at low intensity. And this can be slow. And what I always the the uh, story that I always tell about base phase because my boyfriend he's actually trying to get more into triathlon right now he was a swimmer and he's not really into cycling so he's would be a really great triathlete and right now he's in his base phase but he'll go on a run and he comes back and he's like oh I did my nine minute miles at, and forty minutes nine minute miles and I was like that's not slow enough and he was like who's going so slow and I was like one time I was in Boston running on the Charles during one of my base runs. So it was like a two hour run that was supposed to be my, my zone one pace. I don't mm -hmm. remember what it was, but I was probably running a little, a little faster than I wanted to. Cause I get ego problems about my watch and I just don't want to <laughs> see like jogging super slow. So I'm like running probably like 11 minute mile or something like that. And a team all dressed in USA Olympic outfits, like jumpsuits, are, they're clearly USA runners. They're, I pass them and they're all running like so incredibly slow, all talking, very, very, very slow jogging. Like they could have been walking. I could have walked past faster than them. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I probably should slow down because if yeah, this is like yeah. my slow run and the Olympians are like uh -huh. almost walking. And that's really what it is. Like that's what this first phase is about. It's literally just like the more you can do at the slower pace is you is the best thing that's going to set you up for your whole rest of your training. The book that I would recommend people to read for this is called training for the uphill athlete. Mm. It's the best book I've ever read. And it's all about this. It talks, the whole book is essentially just about like the importance of these low intensity training blocks and how, if you want to become an ultra runner, or if you want to become someone who can do like those really, really, really long stage bike rides, like 
the more you put in at almost no effort, it's going to feel like you're not even working out. That's how you get there. And doing really hard workouts is actually not going to prepare you for those types of things at all. So that's the whole purpose of base phase, high volume, low intensity. Yep. The, my favorite, um, hundred mile ultra marathon advice that I like to give is that someone gave me that I like to pass along is, um, if you think you're running too slow, then slow down. Right. And, and the same thing could be said for, for base face. Yeah. You look like, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, it looks like Izzy's, uh, like ascending into heaven right now. Lighting. no, but, but if, uh, if you're running too slow, if you feel like you're running too slow, then you're, then, then slow down. And, I, and the same could definitely be said for most of your, your workouts in, in that base phase. It's, it's really just about getting the motion, getting the time on your feet, getting, yeah. Um, you know, those muscles moving, those mechanics down. Um, yeah. And you're adapting not only your body to a lot of work, but your, your mind, it's a mental game. And it yeah. really is like the first trainer ride I sit on. That's two hours long feels horrible. And I, so I, I'll get off the bike like multiple times and I'll go get something to eat or something to drink. And then I'll sit back on the bike. But then over time, like the two hours seems like nothing and I can, you know, listen to podcasts or watch a movie or whatever. But, um, yeah, it's really hard. I I struggle with it the most in running. I I cannot to save my life. Like, I don't know if it's an ego thing or if I'm just bored out of my mind. Doing an easy bike ride is so much easier for me because I'm just sitting in my basement. But when I'm running outside, I'm like, wow, I'm running 14 minute miles right now, and I'm so bored. <laughs> like, <laughs> I struggled so much with marathon training because of that. I was just like, I yeah. don't. I just want to get this over with. <laughs> like, why can't yeah. I just run faster? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah. All right. So how long would a typical base phase look like or, you know, so, for, for someone who's maybe training for a half or a full marathon or a, you know, a, a Olympic distance triathlon? So I think that it's typically four weeks. If you're going into it with a enough fitness where you can kind of jump into an hour and a half at least of long sessions, mm-hmm. um, I would say hour probably. But if you, I, I would say like based on my experience, that was typically the length of the base phase after I put in those consistent workouts. Um, and the, it can go up to, you know, it can go up to eight weeks. Like all of this is really flexible. If you're training for a race that you're not going to be getting into until for six months, like make the base phase longer because that's really your most important phase. And that's going to set you up the best to really get the next three phases, which are going to just feel a lot more challenging for you um, and hit them really hard. And the the types of workouts at the beginning of the base phase, I typically would say you would take an FTP test or some and or do a run test if you're doing an Ironman or a bike race or a running thing. And a functional threshold power test is what I typically do on the bike. That's where you're going all out for 20 minutes at the end of a workout, an, an hour workout, and it basically replicates what your output would be all out for an hour. So based on that, that's kind of how you can set what you're going to work out at for those base miles. And so everything should say, be... Say that Say that again, how the test works. So it's a functional threshold power test. So you'll, you'll do mm-hmm. an hour workout that's really light. And then the end of the workout, the last 20 minutes, it's 100% all out for the whole 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And they're horrible and I hate them, but they're what set the heart rate zones, your power zones. If you don't have a power meter, you can use your heart rate Um, on the bike. That's how you figure out like, okay, so if I'm going to do a two hour ride on Saturday, 
like what does easy mean for me? You know, that's typically half of whatever your FTP was. So if your FTP was 200, that's pretty high. Then all of your long base workouts should be at 100 watts. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. And there's a bunch of like charts and stuff that you can look at, like heart rate zones you can take a look at. And that'll be your zone one and two for your base workouts. And your FTP is typically like your zone five, your highest heart rate. And on a run test, I'll do... 30 minutes all out on a track and that, and I'll look at my heart rate and that's how I'll base all my runs off of from there. So that's kind of Mm -hmm. like how you engage what exactly base means for you. And you don't really need to do the test. If you're not a numbers person, you can just go based on feel doing it easy and easy. What you think is easy is probably not easy enough. Like, like what you said, but that's kind of a good gauge for, um, when, when you're choosing what workouts to do and how intense you should do them at. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, one thing you said that I want to go back to uh, is about the, the length of it. I think it really depends on um, what you're coming in with and what, yeah. kind of, what kind of fitness you have. So, you know, if, if you are coming in with not, you know, being, feeling like you're out of shape and not having a lot of fitness, um, then expanding that four weeks way beyond just yeah. four weeks, but to six, eight weeks. Yeah. Know, I mean, your body's your best judge. Like mm-hmm. that's what I always say. If you can't make it through an hour at lower intensity, then you should put in more hours at lower intensity Yeah, and make yeah. the intensity lower. Absolutely. Um, and, and then the other thing is if, if your race is, you know, six, eight months out and you want to start training now, people get excited. They have this fall marathon goal and it's only January, you know, right. um, they get excited. They want to start training. Like this is the phase that you can hang out in for a long time. Like you don't yeah. want to, you don't want to build up and start doing like crazy workouts right. and, and long runs and stuff like that, you know, in March for a marathon that's not until October. Right. Um, That'd be you know, but you can hang out in that base phase for a really long time. And the longer you hang out, the, you know, the, the better, the better you'll be. So. Right. You don't have to necessarily wait to start training. Just don't like move out of the base phase because yeah. Especially if you do have that type of goal. I think that's one of the most challenging things about the base phase is it's boring. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of don't feel like you're getting that much work in. But, you know, you can kind of use... That's why oftentimes I'll say like prolong even entering the base phase because it is the worst boring part in my opinion. <laughs> mm-hmm. And just do workouts. Like just do whatever you want yeah. leading up to that and then start it when you're really ready. Like if you want to get in shape, you can still get in shape you just don't have to start your training program yet it's very different and i think that's something that we talked about a little bit on the last podcast but like something that people kind of should separate is like working out to be just in shape versus like building Mm -hmm. fitness for an event Mm -hmm. i think that we're very different in that like long slow runs are like my jam where it's like harder workouts right, you know, I, get, I, <laughs> I have so much more trouble leaving the house for like an intense workout than i do right. for like you know two hours of at, yeah. you know, at a I conversational think that pace that's true as well for me like i i actually do enjoy long bike rides and stuff like that but i think that i have a hard time just like at the beginning like right now i'm at the beginning yeah. of a training program that i'm starting and mm-hmm. it's just like I'm still at that point where I'm like, okay, I have to leave. This morning I went on a run and I was just like, all right, it's only 50 minutes. Like, yeah. just go out and do it. I need to be consistent. Like, but that's really what it is. It's consistency. And as soon as you get the consistency down for three weeks, you're going to, you're going to notice a difference in your fitness for sure. Oh yeah. Big yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, let's move on to phase two, strength and build. And this, uh, yeah, why don't you just jump into that? Yeah, so this is all focusing on building strength, um, exactly what it's called. And this is when no matter what event you're training for, if it's as long as it's endurance athletics and it's on a lifting program. I don't know much about periodization and lifting programs, but I know you can do it. Um, for an endurance event, though, this is when you're going to add in the lifting. Um, so that's when you should really kind of be prioritizing your cross training. And the graph of periodization training, it kind of crosses. So as you go through the phases, um, your intensity is increasing and your volume is decreasing. So it's like a X graph mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so this phase, your intensity is slowly increasing from what your base phase was and your volume is decreasing. So you're not going to do as many long workouts as you were doing. And one thing to keep in mind throughout when we're discussing all of these phases, like this is 80% of your training. The 80-20 rule is king here as well. It's not about 100% of your training is going to be all strength focused. You're, if you're training for a marathon or a half Ironman or some event that's long, you still have to keep your endurance muscles there. So so yeah. once or twice a week, you're going to probably be doing a long run or a long ride at lower intensity. Um, but 80% of your workouts are going to be either like adding the weights in your lifting program two to three times a week, um, getting more intervals, and the intervals are going to be a little longer because your volume is decreasing, but it's not at the point yet where like you're going from really high volume to no volume at all. So a typical like bike workout or a run workout might be longer or shorter intervals, but not super short interviews. So like six to 12 minute, really tough intervals. Um, cause you're still going to have that volume, but that intensity is increasing. And like, that's how you're going to build that strength is training your muscles to be able to output more over a slightly longer period of time rather than just like the short bursts of output, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's typically what that looks like. And those intervals would be based on the test, the heart rate test or the FTP. So let's say your heart rate is zone five. um, And that's your, your, let's say that's 180 beats per minute. That's pretty high. But um, if that's your zone five heart rate and your FTP is 200, then your intervals, you're probably going to be working at like 190 watts. You're going to, or close to 200 for those five to 12 minute intervals. And on the run, same same idea, like really high heart rate for the for the intervals, really close to that 180 measure. And then when you're not in the intervals, you'll go back to your 50% of whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Great. And that would last, that phase would last about how long? Four to six weeks. And it can be shorter. This, this If you have already a lot of strength, like you just are a strong athlete and um, have done lifting programs in the past, it could last as short as three weeks. Um, I would say this is probably the least important phase. I don't know for sure, but for myself, I think it's the least important phase in endurance training program because I, as a runner, as a cyclist, like I have those muscles from a, from just long periods of time. So it doesn't take that long to kind of retrain those muscles. Um, but if you're starting from scratch, then the strength and you're, you're maybe weaker than you want to be and you want to increase your FTP. Like if that's a goal, you want to increase your, your run, your mile time, or you want to get 20 Watts higher on the FTP, then like you might be spending a lot more time in the strength phase. Yep. Cool. All right. Um, before we move on to phase three, let's take a second to 
thank this week's sponsor. Great. This week's episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Bioptimizers and their P3OM probiotic. There's never a bad time to boost your immunity system, especially right now. And P3OM are probiotics that improve your digestion and natural and nutrient absorption, helping to ensure your digestive tract and immune system stay strong and healthy. While many other probiotics on the market don't even survive in your stomach, your, through your stomach acid, P3OM is fully tested to make sure the probiotic strains not only survive in your body, but also don't compete with, other, with each other. So you're as protected as possible from the growth of bad bacteria and other pathogens. While other probiotics require refrigeration and often die in transport or on the shelf, P3OM doesn't need refrigeration at all. It's also been clinically proven to, uh, to give you more energy, less bloating, more mental clarity, and to shift your metabolism into the fat-burning mode. If you're, excuse me, if you're ready to boost your immune system for healthier digestion, go to bioptimizers.com slash no meat. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash no meat. And by using the code no meat, you also get 10% off your next order. So two things to remember, bioptimizers.com slash no meat and promo code no meat. Nice. All right. Okay. So phase three. Phase three. Phase three. Talk to me about it. Power, Power and, performance. and performance. Yes. Um, so exactly what it says. This mm-hmm. is going to continue on that crossed graph that I kind of explained. So you're decreasing volume a little more and you're increasing intensity so this is when it gets real that's like what i yeah. said is it's like oh god <laughs> i'm phase three it's like okay your it's workouts are going to be part. tough like really tough they're probably going to be shorter um a lot shorter less than an hour or around the hour for me for a 70.3 triathlon a lot of like my bike workouts and run workouts are 45 minutes to an hour in this phase 80 percent of them and then i'll do still the longer runs and rides on the weekends um and this is where my brick workouts get introduced so on saturdays i'll do a three three and a half hour ride and with a 30 minute run right off the bike um and the 30 minute run is supposed to be you know i'm probably pretty hard and then sunday i'll do a longer lower intensity run and that's typically kind of how the week looks like so a brick workout for uh for a triathlon is is you you do two multiple sports yeah yes so you're doing and and one right after the other basically yeah yeah so you're training those muscles to get into your transition um wow talking about this makes me miss triathlon so much (laughs) (laughs) i haven't done anything in so long um But maybe one day we'll see the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the that whole week, 80% of my workouts are just going to be really, really tough. Shorter intervals. So like I said before, the 6 to 12 minute intervals close to your threshold, you're going to go down to maybe like 2 to 3 minute intervals, 5 minute intervals max is in my experience. Um, and they're just going to be really, really tough because they're going to be harder. So they'll probably actually be over your threshold. So if you're if you're... 200 what we're talking about the 200 ftp um you're probably going to be doing short burst intervals that are way higher than your ftp because you'll be able to hold those for a certain short amount of time this is like when you're gonna see those graphs of your heart rate or your power that's like really really spiky because you're just like putting yeah. so much output in for 30 seconds and going down um and you don't you'll keep the volume like i said for one to two days a week just so you keep that up but this is really about like getting your muscles ready for keeping that power like 
starting the bike, going up the hills, um, running up hills, starting your run, like all of those types of movements. This is where you really like train those types of muscles after you've already had the strength and you've got the um, endurance kind of built from that base phase. So you're slowly like building all the tools you need to hit it really hard on your race day. Yeah. Which transition us really well into phase four, which is race day. And race peak day. Week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, phase three will typically last the same thing as strength. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's short three too. Three to five weeks. Yeah. Three to five weeks. Maybe a little shorter than strength. I guess I said strength was the shortest, but maybe now I'm thinking phase three could be the shortest. It's those are sometimes like paired together, you know, because you're like strength and power. Sometimes they're meshed together. Um, mm. And the phase three is often like for a professional athlete, like someone who is I don't know, doing the Olympic distance triathlon or, or shorter runs like a 5K or a 10K, I would assume, I don't know this, I'm speaking just from experience, but I would assume that your phase three, like your power and performance phase is really important for that type of athlete, you know, because yeah. it's a lot shorter burst. You're going to really need to tap one of those muscles where as someone who's maybe just trying to finish a race you don't need like the explosive muscles to be as trained as like your strength and your base muscles need to be if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so um phase four this also meshes a little bit with phase three because your peak week is typically your most challenging week of the whole training block um that's when you're kind of increasing volume a little bit so on that graph you have like a dip um in or a peak in your volume so you'll have a week that kind of mimics your what your race is going to look like. So for a half Ironman, my peak week will typically be maybe some shorter burst workouts and then three or four brick workouts that are really hard with lots of intervals. So it's like volume and intensity in that week. And it's if you would see a graph of what your training looks like and the intensity, it would be like slow uphill and then like peak week is really it really gets real there. Yeah. Um, and depending on your event, it could be high volume, but that, that depends. So for me, it's higher volume. But for someone who's training for a 10K, it might just still be shorter volume, but your hardest workouts. And it's going to look like a 10K. A lot of runs closer to your race dif- distance so that you're getting your body and mm-hmm. mind kind of ready for that. And then that's just one week long. Sometimes it'll last two weeks, depending on how far out you are from your race. Um, And some coaches like to do it longer. Some coaches like to do a shorter peak week. It just depends on the athlete and if you can handle that much stress, because that's typically going to build a lot of stress after kind of an easy uphill ride to your peak week. Um, If you can handle a lot of stress, then maybe your peak week's closer to two or three weeks. If not, then it's going to be shorter. And um, this is not where you're building fitness. Like your fitness building was way before this. This is just like getting your body ready for a race and your mind. And I personally think it's a lot more mental than it really is anything physical because chances are if you've done the training correctly up until this point, like you're going to be able to do your race. Sure. So, but you want to kind of practice the distance or whatever. Um, And then after you're priming yourself. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, And then after that, you go into your um, taper and your Mm -hmm. maintenance. So the taper is different for everyone. And it, again, like depends on their shape and how much rest they really need mentally and physically. And whether some, I would say it's probably at least 
two weeks, maybe three weeks, because you're really slowly decreasing that volume again and the intensity. So you've been building intensity and building intensity and building intensity. And now you're kind of taking a step back. You're resting your muscles, but you're keeping your muscle memory of all the things that you just did in the past few months or however long your training block is. And mm-hmm. then right before, um, t- right after taper is your race. And then you can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I, Right. So the peak week is kind of the final like kicker. And then you're dropping into a two ish week taper, um, where, you know, you're, you're pretty significantly or rapidly decreasing in volume and intensity. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, yeah. you have a couple of days that might be zero days and then you're at, yep. Or and that's, it, and, and I would say the taper time. part is like your most important time to focus on nutrition because mm-hmm. I mean, nutrition is important throughout the whole time, but this at this point you're not training as much and you're getting your body ready for a race and if it's a longer event especially you'll start to think about increasing your carbohydrate stores and all of that stuff so that's kind of when i transition my focus to okay like what's my nutrition gonna look like for the next few weeks and you know start start getting my body ready for race day and um Yeah. And I think a lot of people will travel for races and that's something that might be worth talking about because taper is affected when you're traveling and when you travel, you know, you increase inflammation and stress, especially if you're flying for a long time. And so that might affect, you know, how long your taper is. Maybe you need a little bit longer of a taper, or maybe you show up earlier to do your peak week when you're already stressed, when your body's already stressed. So there's, there's a couple little things and nuances, obviously like all of this could change based on the race you're doing, your schedule, where you're going, what your fitness is. But that's basically, uh, what periodization training is in a very simplified version. Yeah. I like it. What about sleep? Does sleep change throughout the phases? I mean, it should, (laughs) but it won't. (laughs) Yeah. Like I think that you should be sleeping as much as you physically can when you're training hard. Um, but no matter the phase. Yeah. I mean, I think also just, you know, when you're going into your peak week, like sleep, rest, nutrition, hydration, like that should be your, your highest priority. Like, because you're hitting these sessions back to back to back and you're going to be so sore and so tired and like doing your stretching and your foam rolling and your mobility, like all of that is going to help you prevent injury. And I mean, that's typically when people get injured. Like you hear so many stories and people are like, I was training for this Ironman or I was training for this marathon and I went all the way up to like a month before my race and then I, I got a, I pulled my hip and I'm like, yeah, probably because you weren't taking care of your body throughout your training program because there are, I think a lot of people compare themselves to like elite athletes that are training all the time. It's like, mm-hmm. if you're not an elite athlete, your job isn't to train all the time. You have other stressors in your life. Like yeah. you need to balance those things. And if you're an amateur athlete, then like, you, you can't treat yourself like an elite athlete. And that's, I think there's a lot of societal pressures about that. That's tough for people who have regular jobs and have kids and have families because you can't train like that. You will completely deteriorate, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I'm inspired. That makes me really want to jump into a training, a training do it. period. I just yeah. did. And it's been going well so far. We'll see. I signed up for a race in June. Um, oh, nice. it's a race that I was having mean to do for the past three years. And last year I was signed up and then my registration got moved. So hopefully I can do it this June, but I'm not betting on it. What race? 
It's a Patriot triathlon. It's, I don't love Ironman events these days. Um, I just feel like they're really expensive and they are kind of, I mean, I don't know. There's just a lot. Like there's always tons of people and like they're so crowded and they're mm-hmm. fun to do. Like for like an eight race or, or something that's really exciting, like I would love to do it. But for typical just races I want to jump into, I don't typically choose the Ironman races. So it's a 70.3 triathlon, but it's not owned by Ironman and it's in Massachusetts. Um, and I, it's, it's like a community event and it's supposed to be really fun. So I want to do it. And then I'm also doing hopefully Lake George. It's called big George. So on Saturday they do an Olympic triathlon and Sunday they do a half Ironman. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to do both of those. I think hopefully back to back, back to back. Usually I do one or the other, but I think this year is my back-to-back year since I'm coming off a year of no working out. <laughs> Got to get that double medal, you know? I know. <laughs> so we'll see. But I also no, really want to jump in some mountain bike races, um, some Xterra triathlons, get into that maybe. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I just want the world to open up first, so. I know. Yeah. Everything yeah. will be a little easier once it does. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Izzy. Yeah, no problem. It was fun. Anything else to add before we wrap up? Um, oh, a resource for people if they want to look more into periodization. I don't know yep. how to spell his last name, but he is like denoted in the fitness world as the king of periodization. His name, his last name is M-A-T-V-E-Y-E-V. And he's got a bunch of articles that describe this stuff in depth, including the science, and he's much more knowledgeable than I am. Um, so I would look at that if you're super interested and kind of want to like set up a program for yourself. Awesome. Love it. Cool. All right. Well, happy new year. Happy new year, everyone. And, um, thanks Susie for coming back on. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Bye guys. Bye.